I want to just do a quick review from uh, last week's message. Um, last week's message started out and uh, it basically was you have a mission. Every one of us in this, in this uh, thing that we call this world, we have a mission. God's given us a specific purpose and plan. He's given us a sphere of influence. He's challenging us to take the things that he has done in us and to do it into the world. And so I basically talked from four different points. First one, you have a mission. Second one, you need to count the cost. And, you know, while you're counting the cost, I challenged you to say, and you need to count it today. You know, not tomorrow, not next week, not when I get around to it. You need to challenge yourself to count the cost today. That was last week. And so since you all counted the, the cost, then I'm sure you researched the third point on your own that uh, was from Nehemiah chapter 4 about not losing your focus. Okay, we've got to be focused in these days. And the fourth point was is that you've got to allow God to use whatever means necessary to get you to the place of your mission. How many of you realize that not, our paths weren't necessarily the path that we created and, uh, uh, and a lot of circumstances came into play? We began to look at the life of Joseph and we know that Joseph's mission began with a couple dreams that got him into a little trouble with his family. But, uh, but because of that, uh, it also was something that he could hold on to when his circumstances became challenging. And so we talked about a couple of things. First, that uh, what started all this was Joseph's father sent him out to check on his disobedient sons. Amen? And they were supposed to be in a place called Shechem. They were in Dothan, probably partying in Dothan and not worried about the sheep in Shechem. But the interesting thing about that is, is that first, all it was was Joseph being obedient. Joseph was his father's favorite. His father could trust him. And so uh, we see that he was obedient to the father. The second thing we see is that it was a good thing, amen? It was a good thing that the boys weren't in Shechem. Because if they were in Shechem, then this uh, caravan of, of people that were coming through would have never picked Joseph up, right? So his brothers chucked him in the well, out he came, and then they sold him. And, you know, it looked like all of these things are not good. How many of you have been thrown into the bottom of a well? Anybody? No, I didn't think so. Oh, you have. Yeah. You've been thrown into the bottom of a well. Well, why don't you come up and preach then? Because you, <laughs> your message is going to be personal. And, yes. and so, anyway, they come out, and lo and behold, here just happens to come some Ishmaelites that are moving on their way to Egypt. And, you know, it didn't look like if you were looking at that from Joseph's perspective that that would have been such a great thing, right? But what it ended up being was his transportation to his destiny. Right. And sometimes we've got to get into a place to where as we realize those things, that we have to realize that God's favor is with us wherever we go. We have a little phrase in our family, when God does something incredible, we always just say two words. Two words, and everybody knows they'll say God's favor. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, God's favor is with you. Tell them, God's favor is with you. So, to, second part of this message is two words, God's favor. Father, we thank you today for your favor. You're amazing. You're inspirational. You're incredible. Uh, you're strong, yet you're uh, you, you help us to walk in this journey. But Father, I know more than anything that every place in which our foot shall tread, you've given it to us because your word says that we have favor. And so Lord, today I pray that even as Pastor Rick prayed today, he was praying into this message asking people who have circumstances in their life right now that are a challenge to them. And Father, the answer, if we were all honest, is every single hand would come up. We've all got challenges. We've all got things in our lives. But Father, I want today you to help us to be the people that challenge our circumstances and not allow them to lead us into the places, Father, uh, that destroy our destiny. 
And so, Father, today, I thank you for your word. It's extra special. I thank you, God, for the uh, opportunity to be able to uh, be your voice today. And, Lord, I just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I talked about for a moment in my prayer that we've got to be the ones who challenge our circumstances. We can't just allow our circumstances to be the thing that directs what our path is. But when we know our destiny, our destiny cannot be held up by circumstances, but we have to challenge those circumstances. One of the things I know that uh, there's a lot of craziness in the world that wants to move us off of our foundation, but we have to be people that will not allow those challenges to uh, uh, eliminate God's purpose in our lives. We can't fail to challenge the circumstances. You see, the enemy's always going to be throwing roadblocks in our pathway. It's just what he does. And we just have to be the kind of people that just jump over the challenges because that's just what we do. Okay? Now listen to this. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 8, starting in verse 32, it says, Now therefore listen to me. I love when the writer of Proverbs will say something like, Hey, listen to me. I love that kind of thing. Listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my door. And verse 35 says, Whoever finds me finds life. And obtains what? Favor from the Lord. Whoever finds me finds life. Jesus said the same thing. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. He says that when you find me, you not only get life, but you get it what? Abundantly. See, that's what a God of favor does. He not, just, he not only just sees us through the midst of our circumstance, but he has favor in all of those places. One of the things that I know is that the enemy likes to use three tactics to keep us in the midst and tied up and bound in our circumstances. And the first point today is this, that the enemy says, I will use the currents from the storms raging in your life to wash away your purpose. That I'll use all of the circumstances that are challenging you, they'll come like a flood and in that flood, there will be such disorganization, such uh, confusion, such uh, 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 destruction in those areas that the enemy then uh, uh, will try to just wash you away and wash you off of your foundation. He can really rage quite a storm. Would you agree with me? But listen, we have a God that's bigger than any storm that the enemy can rage. If you would, turn with me to, to Daniel. Let's look at Daniel in uh, the first chapter. Yeah, we'll start in Daniel chapter 1 today. Daniel 1. Hallelujah. You know, everybody's perky and bright this morning. There was no late Buckeye game to keep you up till midnight. And I know, look, all y'all are looking at me like, bring the word, Pastor. Come on. So when we look at the challenges of our circumstances, remember, we have to not allow the circumstances to move us, but we've got to get in the face of those circumstances and know that God wants to do something great in us, and he does it through his favor. And so in Daniel chapter 1, we see that uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he came to Ju Jerusalem and he sieged it. Okay, so basically they came into Israel and, and they overcame Israel, quite a circumstance. And one of the things that the king did is he wanted to uh, uh, round up the brightest and the best from Israel and move them into a place to where they could now be effective for his kingdom. And one of those people that got rounded up was Daniel and Daniel's buddies. They, they were the best and the brightest of Israel, and they brought them into a place to where they were going to uh, not only make them captive to what they wanted, but now they were going to give them everything that they had, their best, their best wines, their best food, their best instruction, and everything that came along with that. Well, Daniel was a man of Israel. He was not a Babylonian, and he didn't want anything to do with that. 
And even though his circumstances were such that they were, Daniel said now in verse 8, he said, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. So even in the midst of his circumstance, that uh, Daniel was challenging that circumstance. He was saying, that's not the, the way we act. Those are not the things we eat. These are not the things that we want to learn. I want to stay true to what God's purpose is in my life, even in the midst of that captivity. See, the, the current, the storm that was raging in his life was he was being, uh, uh, they were trying to attempt to remove him from everything that God had in store for him as an Israelite. And so he said, I'll not defile myself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. In, in other words, he went to the people who were representing the other side and said, I don't want to be like that. And then it says in verse 9, now God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. See, isn't that interesting? We're going to look at Joseph's life a little more here. Even wherever Joseph was where he didn't want to be, there was still God's favor on his life. And when I think of the challenges and the circumstances that you're all facing right now, it might not be exactly where you want to be, but God's moved you to that place because his favor is going to follow you and find you in that place. And something crazy is going to happen in the midst of God's goodness. Come on now. How many times have you been in a place that you didn't think was going to be the place you wanted to be? And by golly, something good came out of that thing. You know, I love the movie, Remember the Titans. And these, these kids all got put into this place of where the desegregation was happening and white kids and black kids had to come together. They didn't like each other. They didn't know why they didn't like each other. But in order to do what they needed to do, they had to rise above their circumstances. And in order to do that, they had to have some great leaders. And both of the sides had a great leader. And they wanted to lead the way they wanted to lead. But it came to where the rubber met the road one day. And the, the kid from the black kids and the kids from the white kids, they faced off and they challenged each other. And in the midst of their circumstances, they called each other out. They had a come to Jesus meeting. And so after that time, what began to happen was, is when they got their destiny together beyond their circumstances, something incredible began to happen in that team. Not only did the team begin to gel together, but they began to perform and exceed way beyond what anybody would have thought could have took place in the midst of that disaster that happened. And I'll never forget when uh, the, the one kid looked at the one kid and he said, he said, Captain, he said, you're strong. And the captain said, no, I'm too strong. I'm too strong. And the reason why he was not just strong, he was too strong, is because what was being fused together now in the midst of that teamwork, overcoming the circumstances, challenging the circumstances that they face, something exponential begins to happen in our lives. When we walk in the midst of our circumstances and we don't allow ourselves to be drawn into them God's favor leads us into a place that we would have never dreamed of and in verse 10 it says the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age and then you would endanger my head before the king I mean, this guy's head was on the line. And Daniel didn't back down. He just said, give us 10 days, and if we look any different, he challenged the circumstance. He said, you give us 10 days, and we'll see who looks any different. We'll see who looks, who looks spry. We'll see who looks energetic. We'll see who looks smart. We'll see whose countenance is in the right place. And, and they did, and God's favor was upon them, and they didn't have to do the things that they were uh, being asked to do. So what happened then? 
Well, in that, now that Daniel had challenged the circumstances, he began to move forward into his destiny. And we begin to see that the king Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And then in this dream, he couldn't find anyone to interpret it. So it came down to the place to where he said, kill all the wise people. I'm tired of all the wise people. And that includes all the Israelites that were calling smart. And he said, then I want them destroyed because they cannot interpret my dream. And in verse 13 of chapter 1, it says, So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his commandments and, and his companions to kill them. And Daniel said, Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can do this. He challenged that circumstance again. Why? Because he knew he was operating in the favor of God. And when you're under the favor of God, you can do things that you would never dream of doing. And so Daniel had the courage once again to stand in the face of his adversity and say, wait a minute, nobody has to die. My God is amazing. He can do things exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever imagine. And then we know that that happened, that Daniel interpreted the dream. He said, I don't have the answers, but I know my God does. You know, sometimes you got to put God out in front of your deal and just trust him that he's going to hold you up in the midst of it. Amen. You can trust him. You can trust God. And so we see that uh, at the end of everything that Daniel did in verse uh, 47, it says, Then the king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of the gods. Your God is the cream of the crop. Your God is the best. Why would he say the God of the gods? Well, because there were hundreds of gods that people were serving at that time. And when Daniel stood in that place to challenge his circumstance, he got to put his God in front of all the gods at that time. And Nebuchadnezzar said, boy, your God is the God of all gods. Daniel, your God is amazing. He's the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets since you could reveal this secret. Then the king did what? Okay, you mean in the midst of Daniel's adversity, he got promoted? Come on. See, that's what a God of favor does. He's not controlled by the circumstances that we face in our life. He has a different agenda. And, be, and what he did in Daniel was supernatural. Right from the hit, he, Daniel was, what he did was supernatural. The king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Now listen, also, Dan, Daniel wasn't done facing the challenge. Now he said to the king, I got three guys that are pretty smart and I want them helping me. And Daniel petitioned the king and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. These are people that came from a place that was overtaken. And now they're in a place of authority. Come on. Now only God can do such a thing like that. So what happened? Well, these guys were all pumped up on God. They were worshiping God. And then somebody came to Nebuchadnezzar and said, you need to make a decree. We need to make a golden image that kind of looks like you and everybody can worship you. And so then when it came time to do that, Daniel's buddies were not going to have anything of it. They weren't going to. Now here we are faced with another challenge of our circumstance. What do we do when we're challenged? What do we do when we're challenged? Do we cower back when things in our families aren't going exactly the way we want them to? Listen, does God want our families to operate in a great way? You bet he does. So when it's not, you need to face that challenge head on. You need to face those challenges head on. And so what happened, as we all know, in verse 16 of chapter 3, of, of uh, Daniel, it says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, they were told you better worship the, the, the golden idol or you're in trouble. And so, and then it says in verse 17, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. And then here's where the rubber meets the road. 
Okay, this is where it really, it really means something. These guys aren't kidding. You know, they're not going to get drugged to the furnace and go, psych, we didn't really mean it. Ah, we worship you. We have fires hot. We worship you. Right. No, see, they had set their focus. Now, listen, this is what I was saying last week. You got to choose. Yeah. You got to make a choice. You got to count the cost. These guys counted the cost and there was nothing worth uh, worshiping this, this idol over that was greater than being with God. And so in verse 18, it said this, but if not, I love this, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image that you have set up. I mean, they just, they challenged the circumstance. And what happened? Listen, when we challenge the circumstance, when we're on a mission for God, I guarantee you God's going to be right next to you in the midst of everything you face. You might not grasp it. You might not get it at the time. You might not understand that. You might ask, why, God, why am I in the midst of this trial? But listen, we need to take the uh, approach of these guys that they took. It's not a matter of what the trial is. It's who's leading our circumstance. And so we know what happened. They got chucked into the fiery furnace. There was a fourth man in the fire. We know that was Jesus. And they came out not even smelling like smoke. The enemy wants to take the current storms raging in your life and wash away your purpose. We talked about Esther chapter 4 and 5 last week. We know that the circumstance, Haman revealed the circumstance that the Jews were in trouble. And when the, the, that, was that was given, we know that Esther had a choice to make. She chose to say, you, we're going to fast and pray and see where God leads us. And then isn't it interesting, as she challenged the circumstance, here's all of these things that are against us. But I'm going to trust God and say, God will lead me into a place and he'll give me favor. And so now here's Esther. She beautified herself. And in chapter 5, it says, now it happened. Come on now, listen. How many times can you look into your life and say, now it happened? You're telling a story about your testimony. You're given all the, the, the negative details of what's happened in your life. And then you look at the people and say, yeah, but now it happened. This is how it happened. On the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner courts of the king's palace, across from the king's house, while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house, facing the entrance of the house. And so it was. When the king saw Esther, she was beautiful, she was adorned, and she was anointed. And there was something that the king saw more in her than a physical beauty. He saw an anointing on her that attracted him to do what he did next. Esther, standing in that court, she found what? Favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And everything that happened after that was it changed the circumstance for an entire nation of people. That no longer was Haman's plan in effect because the circumstances were challenged and now we're doing a complete reversal. We got a complete reversal of events going on here. And the, the same spear that, that Haman had prepared for Mordecai to be on is the same spear that his death ultimately came to. See, when God puts favor in our lives, every place that we go, that God has a different way that those circumstances can be perceived. Isaiah 59, 19 says this, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, listen to me, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. See, that's what God does. Who, who is able to do exceedingly more than the Lord can do? No one. When the enemy tries to pull off his shenanigans, 
that God is always there to say, nope, I'm in the midst of their circumstance. I'm going to see them through. The second thing that the enemy likes to say is, I'll take everything from you. I'll strip you down to nothing. I'll take everything from you. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Nobody's stripping any of God's kids of anything. Whatever circumstance we're in the midst of, God's able to see us through it. And so in Genesis chapter 39, it's interesting that it says this. Now Joseph was taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian. Wow, I mean, that's quite a, this, this must be quite a guy. Okay, that's, that's a lot of words. Brought him, uh, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down from there. Now, again, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a guy who has been rooted out of a place that he loved and he's been, you know, through all kinds of crazy circumstances to get him to the place to not only was he sold as a slave, now he's being sold again. This guy's head has to be spinning. But listen, even in the midst of our head spinning, God is always with us. In verse 2, it says as much. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a what? Successful man. Wait a minute. The mug has been thrown in a well, beaten and discouraged and disparaged by his brothers, sold into slavery, sold again. And God is using the words that he was a successful man. How many of you in the midst of your greatest beatdowns felt like you were a successful man or woman? That's why we got to change the way we think. We got to challenge the circumstances and not let the circumstances become a challenge to us. See, when that reversal happens, then the enemy is in control. When, we allow, when we're led by circumstances, the enemy's in control. When we challenge the circumstances, God and his favor is in control. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw, listen what, that the Lord was with him. When you challenge a circumstance in the name of the Lord, there is something on you. We call it an anointing. And that anointing breaks yokes and sets captives free. There's a power in the glory of God resting upon you. And we have to understand that this is no joke. That if God be for you, then who can be against you? See, when God's favor rests upon you and his purposes are with you, in verse 4, so Joseph found what? Favor in his sight and served him. And then he made him an overseer of his house and all that he had he put under his authority. And so it was from that time that he had made him overseer of the house and all that he had. And that the Lord blessed who? The Egyptians, come on. Now God's blessing the people that are buying slaves. Do you understand that when you are on the scene, that if God is with you, then everyone who is around you has the opportunity to have their lives transformed. These were the Egyptians who bought them. These were not Israelites. So the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for whose sake? Joseph's sake. He's like, Joseph, I got you in the midst of this. And for your sake, I'm going to bless the house. And the blessings of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and field. And so here we go again. Joseph is doing his deal. He's doing it to the utmost of his ability. And I want you to understand this. Even in the midst of your circumstances, you need to serve the Lord in the midst of those and no one else. Because when you try to manipulate man to gain favor, it's always going to backfire in your face. But when you stand strong in God in his favor, then whatever the enemy's trying to do will backfire in his face. So here we go again. The, uh, Joseph's a good-looking dude, apparently, and, and, and uh, the... the um, the master's uh, wife is sweating him and wants her, him to like hang out with her and be with her. You know what I'm talking about? This is an adult audience. 
She wants Big Joe. Okay? Because Joe's good looking. He's got favor. But you know what? The enemy doesn't know why all that favor's on, on, on Joseph, does, does the enemy? And so all the enemy sees is, I want something he has. I want to take advantage of him. And see, Joseph could have had an interesting situation going. He could have had a little thing on the side, and I'm head of the house, and this is all good. But that was not all good. Because, see, that would have just created more problems for him. And in the midst of that circumstance, he stood strong, knowing that this was probably not going to end well. So we all know the story. She took his tunic, ripped it off, and made up all this garbage. And then the master of the house took him, in verse 20, and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Let me ask you this. This is like the fourth unheralded, fifth crazy circumstance in his life. Did God's dream change for Joseph? Did God say, wow, dude, two strikes, three strikes, Joe, you're out, man. This dream ain't happening. This isn't a good thing. I shouldn't have probably never gave it to you. Let me help you get out of this. No, he didn't not only help him get out of it, he got thrown in another prison again. Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And so he was there in prison. And verse 21 says, 21, survey says, say it with me, but the Lord, but the Lord. Here we go again with what God's plan is. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. This is how God does his thing. We have to allow God to move us in the midst of our circumstances in whatever way he needs to, to get us in the ultimate place of our destiny. And then verse 21, uh, or verse 22, and the keeper of the, of the prison, he committed to Joseph's hands all the prisoners who were in the prison. Uh, whatever uh, they did there, it was his doing. And the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it what? Prosper. I'm telling you, two words, God's favor. We've been in the midst of some things in our life that just look like we couldn't figure out how it, this thing was going to change for our good. And in one hour, God completely flipped the financial situation that we could not do on our own, totally flipped it into our favor in one encounter, one hour. Why? Because we faced the circumstances. What was the circumstance? Well, when you have money that you need to pay your bills and you're faced with the challenge of sowing in the proper amount into God's kingdom through a tithe, that's a big challenge when you're broke and don't have two nickels to rub together. But you got to face that circumstance. And you have to say, this is what God wants for me and I'm not coming off of it. And then you get to see God do miraculous things. Listen, the Lord was with Joseph and made him prosper time and time again. Matthew eleven twelve says this. The Lord says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And how do the, the and it says, and the violence take it by force. The circumstances of things that are happening in the kingdom of God are not going to just stop. And so we can't stop. We got to face those down. The, the idea of the violent taking that by force, that is those who take it by force are people with great enthusiasm and commitment who are willing to respond with radical abandonment to the message and the dynamic of God's reign. It doesn't matter what we see with our natural eye. The Bible says those things pass away. 
But the Bible says when we see the invisible things of God, those are the things that are eternal. What are the invisible things of God? They're the things that strengthen us in the midst of our circumstance and challenge. And those are the things that allow us to say, I don't know what you're going to do, God, but I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be good. Luke 16, turn there with me if you would. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Listen, we haven't even began to have challenges. This is why I'm preaching these messages now. If you think you're being challenged now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Trust me. It's only going to get more exciting. You know why I can say that? Because I already made a decision 30 some odd years ago. I already counted the cost. I'm hanging out here until there's no more hanging out to hang out. Now listen to what 16, Luke 16, 14 says. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard these things and they derided him. They, they uh, chastised him. And he was talking about, and before that you can't serve two masters. Okay? And then in verse 15, it, it, Jesus it says, he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men. You are those who justify yourselves before men. Why? Because the Pharisees were trying to protect an earthly kingdom. They had no clue of the magnitude that was right in front of them. You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Listen to 16. The law of the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone, Pastor Rick, as you said, everyone is pressing into it. See, the people who have chose to uh, pay the price and, and face down their circumstances, they are prepared to preach and to press into whatever difficulty comes our way. Whatever difficulty comes our way. And in verse 17, and it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. God is not going to fail in the midst of our circumstance. And point three is this. When the enemy thinks he has you locked into the place you are, the Lord says, not so fast. Not so fast. Turn back in to Genesis in, in verse 40. And I mean, chapter 40 again. So here's Joseph now. He's thrown back into the prison. Now he gets another pseudo assignment. And in uh, 40 verse 4, the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. The butler and the baker came. They had dreams. And in verse 8, they said to him, uh, we each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said to this, listen to this. He said, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. In other words, here he is in another precarious jam again. But what does he do? He keeps his eyes on the dreams that God has given him, that ultimately he'll be in a place above where he is at. And so we know that uh, he interpreted these guys' as dreams, and, and one was good, one was bad. But what happened was, is because he kept challenging the circumstance, then he was presented with even better circumstances. In verse four, or chapter 41, it says, Then it came to pass at the end of what? Two years. Two years Joseph is, is in this place still of doing his thing and being faithful. And his faithfulness is, is now uh, uh, bringing blessing upon everyone who he's in contact with. I think it took two years because everything was running so smooth in that prison that the guy didn't want to tip the apple cart. And so then it came to pass at the end of two years that Pharaoh had a dream and behold, he stood by the river. Look at verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. 
And they brought him quickly out of the dungeon and shaved and changed his clothing and he came to Pharaoh. Here is Joseph again. Who else is coming before Pharaoh? How many times is this guy coming to the top of the top of where God has him? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream and there's no one who can interpret it. But I heard it said you, uh, that you can understand a dream to interpret it. And listen to what Joseph said again. He said to Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of what? Peace. See, Joseph was going to tell this guy what his dream was, and it was going to save a nation from a famine that could have wiped it completely out. And so in verse 37, it says this. So Joseph rose to power. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. He told him how to get out of this. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. Look. For a guy whose circumstances in the natural could have been as diabolical as they were, now he's standing before the president of the nation, the pharaoh of all of the nation and surrounding areas, and this guy is propping him up. And it says, you shall be over my house and all of my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all of the land of Egypt. Now, the destiny that God had in store for him was coming to pass in the midst of all of those negative circumstances. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we're getting ready to, to wind it down here. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is an encouragement to us. It's an encouragement that says, For what then shall we say to these things? All of the, the circumstances in our life. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Maybe the problem is, is we're not aware we are God's elect. Mm, you are God's elect. And when somebody brings a charge against you, is it God who justifies who is he who condemns? Is it Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall circumstances, shall, shall tribulations, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? No, because yet in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. When the enemy thinks he has you locked in to the place you are, the Lord says, not so fast. Let's look at the final scripture in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Here's Paul who's just done his thing. He's done it well. And the people are coming against the anointed uh, servant of God, the one who has great favor, the one who God has put on a mission. He's in the midst of some tough circumstances. And in verse 24, it says, having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks. This couldn't be in any worse jail situation in the world, into the inner place where you're not even around the floors of people who are above you, in a place that's probably damp and cold and nasty, into a place that they not only put them in there thinking they couldn't get out, but they've seen the miraculous power of God. So now what they're going to do is they're going to also fasten their feet into the stocks to make sure these cats aren't getting out. Everybody say, but. Here we go again. 
But at midnight, Paul and Silas were what? Pouting and crying and whining. Oh, they were discouraged and depressed and despondent. Listen, what was it with these guys? What was it with these guys? Listen, the things I just said would be normal things for us to feel in the midst of this circumstance. What was with them? God was with them. They faced their circumstances. As a matter of fact, they not just faced them, they challenged their circumstances. And what were they doing? They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Listen to this. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's, everyone's, everyone's chains were loosed. Why did everyone's chains get loosed? Because every place where God's people are, something good happens to everyone around them. Listen, people who know you know God should invite you to dinner six days a week. And then take one day off to relax from all the amazing things that God has done in them and for them. You are a child of God. And every place that you go, you take your father and his kingdom with you. That's what, why do you think the enemy wants to, to tamper your ultimate purpose by placing you in some kind of man's circumstance? When Pastor Rick made his call this morning for the things that the prayer people said, there isn't one of us. I'm back there. I had both of my hands up. Nobody is in a circumstance right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't, I can't, I can't buy that. We're all in the midst of something we need to face down and say, my God is for me. And if my God is for me, then this circumstance has to be temporary and I've got to challenge this circumstance. What do you do when you challenge a circumstance? Well, if you're a husband and wife in a relationship and it's not going right, one of you two needs to step up and say, look, we are not the problem. The enemy's the problem. We need to come together and not let the enemy tear us apart. What God has joined together, let no man put us under. We've got to face the circumstance and say, look, I'm going to challenge, I'm not going to just face it, I'm going to challenge it. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from the sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to do himself in. Listen, he had been given strict orders. You shackle that mug's feet, both of them, and do not let them out of here. They're worse than Jesus. They're causing more problems. They're turning everything right side up. And Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we're all here. And then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Come on. We got to look our circumstances in the face and challenge them because the world is depending on us. The world is depending on us to get this thing right and to be the, the mouthpiece of God and to know that, why do you think that God said to Joshua, every place in which your foot shall tread, I'll give it to you. He's saying, every place you go, my favor is, is on you and no weapon in hell can stand against you. How many of you would say today, Pastor, it's high time I faced my challenges. It's high time that I looked my circumstances in the eye and said, these days are over. Your days are numbered. See, your, your circumstances want to number you. Why don't you turn around and number them? 
Why don't you tell them no more? Are you going to keep me from the place of my destiny? Would you stand with me today? Oh, Father, you're so good. Lord, I couldn't ask for a better worship set to preach off of. Father, you are an amazing God, an incredible king. You're, you're the master of our lives. And so, Father, today, I pray that you break the stronghold of the enemy in our lives. That you would not let the enemy jerk us around in the midst of our circumstances, but we would be like Daniel and stand in the midst of them and say, no, thank you. I don't need what the world has to offer. I know what God has to offer, and I choose to stand with him. Father, I thank you, God, that we could stand like Esther. And in the midst of our challenges, we could put on our worst outfit and hang our head. But no, Father, help us to be like Esther and put on our best clothes and look the best that we can because we know that you and your anointing rests upon us. And so, Father, I thank you that you say every place that your kids are, that other people's lives are blessed and affected. And so, Father, today, I pray that as we close this two-message series, that we, too, would be able to say it's time to stand up and be accounted for in the kingdom of God. It's time to say, I've counted the cost and I'm moving forward. It's time to stare down our, our circumstances and not let the consequences be the thing that destroy us. Father, today, I thank you, God, for this body of people who have chose to say, it's time. Let's move forward into the midst of our destiny in the kingdom of God. And Lord, I just thank and praise you. Let your hedge of protection go upon each family here. Let no weapon formed against them prosper. Father, let the anointing of God rest in their lives. Let your glory come upon them, Father, that people would know that these are a kid of the King. Father, let not only us prosper, but let everybody we come in contact with, let them prosper as well. And Father, we just thank you, God, for you're a good God. And you love us more than we'll ever, ever imagine. And Father, we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, be prepared to sign up and be that blessing that we need to be for the Christmas outreach. Be prepared this week to face down your circumstances and go to someone who needs a touch from your King. Amen. Amen.